Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scottsmenswear.com. Welcome to a brand new podcast, everybody. Been another busy week. How you all doing? Did you manage to uh, get your chores done this week? Did you manage to uh, find what you wanted in the supermarket? <laughs> Keep banging on about that, don't you? Mm. <laughs> well, welcome to a brand new podcast show, ladies and gentlemen. It's great to have you back. Last week's show was with the mighty Red Rum Club. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Before that, John Cooper Clark. Thanks for tuning in, your and your continued support is very much appreciated. Thank you. But this week we have something a little bit different. We have a comedian, ladies and gentlemen, and I think I'm not talking out of hand here when. I think this is one of my favourite episodes I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it. it it's, it's my favourite episode I've ever done. It's with Tom Bins, a comedian, ladies and gentlemen. Now, Tom Bins... He's been in Alan Partridge. Lee and Heron, the IT crowd. Big Breakfast, 8 out of 10 cats do Countdown. You might know his you might know his name a little bit more, Ivan Brackenbury, hospital radio DJ character. And a psychic reader called Ian D. Mountford. Yeah, just character comedy and loads of loads of stuff. Really talented guy. And a very enjoyable interview is coming up. It was in a van. I think this but this podcast, I think you really have to watch it on the, the video version that's gonna be on. YouTube, it premieres tonight at 6 o'clock on the RGM YouTube channel. Just because how uh, mental it all was. During the pandemic, he got up on top of his van and created a stage on top so he could still keep doing gigs to to crowds. I'll not say too much because it all comes out in the interview, but watch it. You know, he climbs up there and shows around his work van and just, just, yeah, great stuff. So that's coming up shortly, ladies and gentlemen third podcast. Hope you're all alright. It's been a sad week this week. Yeah, just while we're on comedy, um, the sad passing of legend Sean Locke. It affected me that one a little bit, you know. You know, just weren't expecting it, just love his work on telly and just think he's hilarious and just seems like a really nice, nice lad, doesn't he, Sean Locke? Yeah, that's sad. And also the sad passing of John Hall. Anybody that lives in Manchester and is you know part of the the music scene that goes on here in Manchester. John Hall is one of those characters he put he used to put on gigs, he used to be at every gig, I think. Supported many acts, always buying the merch, out at every gig. Uh, going to be a sad loss for the for the music community here in Manchester. I got ripped off for a gig, uh, some gig tickets. I bought some gig tickets off a, a Facebook group, and they ended up it was a con. I got ripped off or whatever. And uh, I was struggling for tickets for this Deja Vega gig at Deaf Institute, and I messaged John, and it was just absolutely awesome he just proper helped me out got me in touch with some people he had a couple of spare tickets just all, always always there to help and had a smile on his face mental but I love that 
<laughs> and yeah, this week's, you know, we've lost a couple of legends in the music and community uh, and comedy community. It's hard times, but you know, this podcast is dedicated to you two. Thank you. Thank you for all, all the good times. Some people are only half full or empty glass people. I think it's all irrelevant, as I'm having another drink anyway. <laughs> Classic quote from Sean Lowe there, nice one. So yeah, the video version of this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, is available at 6 o'clock this evening. It premieres on the RGM um, YouTube channel. And watch that, it's great. And share it as well, thank you. Uh, keep up to date on the show's... Uh, on Twitter, RGM Pod. I'm a bit on go over today. I went to a gig last night. Sorry, guys. Went to watch the San Pedro Collective uh, in Stockport at the Spinning Top. First time at that venue. Nice little cafe type venue. Good band, San Pedro Collective. Surprised me. Yeah, catch them if you if you can. Um, ended up having a few beers and one cigarette. I know. I know. <laughs> so, I think we're going to crack on with the with the interview, ladies and gentlemen, while I drink some more water and get myself through this. Yeah, so um, next week, ladies and gentlemen, just to announce who we've got coming up next week, we've got an interview with the Lathams or the Lathams. I've still not got my head round how, how I pronounce it. I should have asked them, really. Um, I was down in Sheffield covering Tromlines Festival um, and had a good little chat with, with the Lathams in the Sheffield Wednesday football ground in the in the big posh bit where they do all, like, you know, in the boxes at football, in one of them kind of rooms. So, yeah, stay tuned for next week. Tell your friends that it's going to happen. The Lathams coming on the RGM Experience podcast. Thanks to the sponsors, Scots Menswear. Beautiful people supporting the music community. So yeah, here is our interview with Tom Bins. Right, Tom. So yeah, th- thanks, Tom. Uh, t- today we're just starting a brand new podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And welcome to everybody for joining us down at the RGM Experience Podcast. It's a new week, a new guest, uh, and we've got a comedian on his hands today, ladies and gentlemen. We've got Tom Bins. Hi, Tom. How are you doing, mate? I was fine, and then when it started, yeah, the screen dimmed. Okay. And I was trying to sort it out, but all you saw was my giant finger. Yes. And then I went to the, I went to the brightness and contrast. Yes. It's turned out. The sun just came out. Oh, okay. So the, the screen actually didn't dim. So th- this is the life of a comedian, it, 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 living in a van. This is the life of this comedian. I, <laughs> okay. uh, I get funny looks from the other comedians when <laughs> I climb into a van at the end of a gig. <laughs> well, I, I, only, I only noticed last night after doing some, a bit more research on you that you're actually from Sheffield yourself, and so am I. Um, yeah. What part of Sheffield are you from? Well, I was born sort of Hillsborough way. Mm. Uh, is it Fox Hill? Yeah. Fox something Hill? That way, up there. Yeah. I was born in Netheredge. Right. And then um, and then we um, we went sort of towards Killamarsh and Clown, which is sort mm. of over the border slightly. Yeah. Um, um, and then we went, we pulled back a little bit to Chesterfield. Yeah. Oh. So we're about, what, seven miles away from Sheffield, but in Derbyshire. Sure. Oh, nice one. Well, we got the uh, grandeur in the countryside. Well, I'm really surprised just how much content is out there with your name all over it. I've been having a good watch over the last few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So oh, why well, you look? You look like you you've got a worried face. Go on. What have you watched? You haven't watched Crossroads, have you? I haven't watched Crossroads. No, we on Crossroads. Oh, that's on the YouTube somewhere. I didn't see that one. All right. What have you seen? No, well, you your you character comedy uh, is the main thing oh, that right. stands out so on there. And, and, and so it, it, as, long it, as, you've not seen, as long as you've not seen Crossroads. <laughs> right, and, okay. Um, and Spooks. Right, and, okay. And um, commercial, where, annoyingly, they revoiced, redubbed me with John Thompson, which I was a bit offended by. Oh, like, oh, I okay. did the words, they were fine. Well, I'm not, 
I'm over it. It's about just, 20 hang, years ago. Let me just make a note to search for those after the after the interview. With me. Just over two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, it did. What I, mean, I, did, I listened to yeah, Thompson doing my voice. I'm like, how's that different from how I did it? Don't matter. Yeah. It's fine. Like, I'm over it. We can work through it together, mate. We can talk it through a bit more, oh, if you like, if you, if you need a bit more great. time to sit on it. <laughs> sure. To be honest, I don't know about it. I buried it deep inside, and then you, you yeah, brought it Yeah, sorry, up. mate. Sorry, mate. Um, Eric lemon and lime flavoured spring water. It's another, <laughs> it's another run from Lidl. Do, 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 do you need a break to just to get over that little memory then, or are you okay? Well... I'm having something else to work through, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Well, what I did notice is that just how diverse you are as a as a performer and a comic, and um, yeah, the, 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 there's loads of different angles to you, uh, and and you yeah. and, and you don't see much Tom Bins online. You do no. see most of your characters and that kind of stuff. So, well, you're saying that diversity, like it's yeah. a positive thing, and it really has come from not being able to hold the job down for very long and getting incredibly bored very quickly with okay. anything I do or not, and not being able to finish projects off properly. Sure. So it, it might look good, but it's, to be honest, it's, it's not, it's not, <laughs> okay. I've never been old down, down a job more than about five, four, four or five months. Sure. So. Okay. Well, that must be quite nice in a way. Cause I, I've had a day job for a lot of years and you know, it, it, it's yeah. kind of, it's it's kind of the thing. It, it, for people like my point of view, when I'm when I'm being in a job for a long time, it's kind of as, uh, aspiring to see that and not be held down by some of the lives uh, life's woes and that kind of stuff. I hear you, and it was nice for ages. Mm. And uh, now I'm the wrong side of fifty without a pension, mm. and uh, all of a sudden it's become very frightening. I mean, yeah. at, at, at Halloween, I, I dress up as a fifty year old man without a, without a pension and. Um, <laughs> Any savings? Okay, that's the most frightening thing you can think of. <laughs> oh, bless you, bless you. Well, <laughs> well, what I'm interested in knowing a little bit, and and a lot of people listening to this podcast still don't appreciate how hard it is to get into the comedy industry, and how much hard work and legwork you've got to do to even get your foot in the door, type thing. I, I was on the comedy circuit myself for a year. Uh, just scrabbling around for five minutes here, five minutes there, whatever you can get. Mm. And coming from Sheffield, there wasn't a lot in Sheffield that supported new acts at all, really. There was Abcom back no. in the day uh, on Abbeydale Road. Um, you, 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 it was the dream to get on anywhere near Last Laugh, and you know, but they all had yeah. professional acts and that kind of stuff. So there wasn't yeah. there wasn't much in Sheffield for people starting out. How did you mm. how did you get going? I dealt with that problem by moving to London. Right, fair enough. So it's sorted. Fact, <laughs> there weren't any... I think when I started, there was possibly Last Laugh uh, in Sheffield, down, down just off Abbeydale Road. Yeah. But actually, when I started comedy, there was like, I think a club in Bristol, I think a room above a pub in Birmingham occasionally, yeah. and one in Newcastle, and that was that was it. Wow. Everything was in London, so um, and there was a place called the Comedy Cafe, and they had a system on a Wednesday night, like it was a new act sort of competition. Mm. And when I started, the system was if you got there at, at two o'clock in the afternoon and put your name down, you'd be on the bill that night. Yeah. So I did a gig at least every week there, um, badly, um, and then um, I. I think I did a, an insane amount of open spots in my first year, mm. but it was back in the days when you could. Um, mm. So, um, I mean, weirdly, this is how mad I was to get into comedy. For, for about two or three years, Glastonbury had an open spot wow. competition for new acts, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where you put your name on the bill. And anyone could go and do it, really. But you got mm. tickets for Glastonbury for the weekend. Mm. Uh, and I would drive all the way from London to Glastonbury, do my 10 minutes on stage, and then drive all the way back to do a gig that evening in oh. London. Oh. Now, I, looking back, I'm like, why didn't I spend the weekend? Weekend, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I didn't even occur to me that, that I didn't want to be at a music festival. I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. So did you know so, that from an early age, you wanted to do stand-up? 
Is, is, is that the main reason for moving to London or was that a, a family thing or was that? No, I moved to London to do stand-up, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was in, um, yeah, I moved, I moved specifically to be a stand-up. I started mm. also setting up stand-up comedy nights so that I could um, put myself on the bill. Mm. Um. So yeah, definitely, definitely what what I wanted to do. It was one. I mean, I, I I wasn't really cut out to do anything else really. Okay. So it was more that as, as much as anything else. When the uh, you know, did, how many years were you doing things before you started getting like paid work? How how many years were you in the game before you know a bit of money started to come in? Oh, about um, about maybe six to eight weeks. Oh, okay. Quite quick, relatively. Um, yeah, I I had I hit upon an idea that, that comedy promoters really liked. Mm. Um, weirdly, I've not really thought about this until recently. But all my stuff seems to be centred around, a, not a gimmick, but like a, a concept. Mm. You know, like the hospital radio DJ sure. or the psychic actually yeah. turns out to be psychic. Like, really learning cold <laughs> reading. Yeah. Um, and um, I started off uh, in stand-up doing all the comedy bird-based comedians of the 1970s. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go on and, like, but without the birds. Yeah. So I'd do, like, I'd just do that and grab, I'd, I'd, get, I'd, I'd go, <laughs> run around on the stage going, oh, look, uh, it's the legs, it's the legs. Yeah, basically doing Betty Clifton, yeah. but without the ostrich. Right, oh, right, okay, right, okay. But without the bird. Yeah. And I go, I'd stop and go, um, that's uh, Bernie Clifton, 1982. <laughs> Obviously, without the, the bird, it yeah. loses something. And then I do a couple of crap jokes. Then I, and then I go, and I go, uh, <laughs> Keith Harris. Yes. Um, and I, I date it. I date it. And then, <laughs> and then <laughs> I'm not laughing at how funny it was. I'm laughing at how shit it was. <laughs> okay. And then, bearing in mind at the time, um, mainstream comedy was still mainstream. Yeah. And the comedy we were doing, this was like 92, yeah. 93. So it was like alternative comedy was still called alternative comedy. And then I <laughs> And then I go, whoa! And then it's time. I go, anybody, anybody, and everybody used to shout out emu. And I go, it's not, it's not emu, is it? It's Rod Hall. Um, <laughs> okay. And then again, again, without without the bird, it's just uh, a middle aged man grabbing at young boy. Again. Um, and that, but because it was about comedy, yeah. comedy promoters liked it. Yeah, audiences hit and miss. Yeah. So I got my face first paid gig really quickly by is a guy called John Keyes who's still a promoter yeah. but it's I couldn't I couldn't sustain it I couldn't get that second gig because I'd i all the comedy promoters would book me but I would die on my ass right. and I think after six months um Stuart Lee asked me to support him on tour um doing my comedy birthday's entertaining <laughs> okay I just I'd just go on and die on my ass before he came out and uh, I remember one night at Glasgow, he, um, I went out, I died for 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and then um, I got an encore. <laughs> and I had to die again for the five minutes. <laughs> they, they enjoyed yeah. my death so much that Stuart Lee encouraged them. <laughs> Where was Stuart in his career at that point? He's at the very beginning. I think yeah. he was, uh, I think he might have done, I think he might have got a show on Radio One called Fist of Fun, mm. which ended up being on the television. Yeah. But I was, I was living in London, um, um, weirdly living in a car. Yes. <laughs> Lots changed. Um, I've got a fridge now. Oh, and, nice. and um, yeah. Anything fridge, in toilet. it? Toilet. Yeah, I've got uh, Jordan. Yeah, let's, let's have a look, mate. What have we got? We've got any snacks. Uh, got some Coca Cola. There we go. Um, ham. Ham. And, and uh, I've gone for the uh, breaded ham trimmings. Oh, oh. I'm not entertaining, am I? <laughs> is it? Uh, so is I, it smoked? 
Uh, can't do with smoke. Can't, can't do with smoke to me. It's crumbled, cured, and cooked reformed ham with added water. Oh, I wish I'd not read the description. <laughs> I've got. I'm, um, ma- I'm making you question your life choices too much today. I'm, I'm conscious of that. Example. There we go. I've got um, double cream because I'm on the keto diet. I mean, that's for me coffee. Right. Hence the crumbled ham. <laughs> then I've got a pack, and then just some just some cans of pop for when I'm driving. Yes. Well, just just for the listeners on the audio version of the podcast, you, you can watch this on YouTube and uh, and just check out all the delights of Tom Bins' van. It looks great. Yeah. It's homely. It is good. And, and I've got a stage on the roof. Have you? Have you really? So in, in COVID, we, uh, ah. we crowdfunded, put a stage on the roof. Yeah. And we did kind of um, hybrid sort of driving slash garden gigs. Yeah. Oh, nice one. Um, and the real secret source of the van is... Um, a silent PA system. So, uh-huh. um, like a silent disco. Right. Okay. So you just had to talk. Uh, well, well, no, cause, cause you know, the silent disco where the, the music's played directly into people's headphones. Right. Uh, I, my PA plays the sound directly into people's iPhones or, or oh, right. Phones. Okay. Like a Bluetoothy type. If thing. you do a gig outside, you need a license for a PA. Ah, clever. And at the height of COVID, trying to get a license for a PA at a gig outside was yeah. like, no yeah uh but i was like well it's a driving gig there's no there's no reason why mm. we shouldn't be having them and they were like no so i got the idea to do a silent pa so i didn't need a license oh. and then uh, people turned up and they just tuned into my van on their phones and they could hear the sound on their phones that's how we got around the rules how did you come but up with that idea then pardon? how did how did you come up with that you know loophole um I'm a bit odd, and I am. I live in a van. <laughs> You've got time and- on your hands. <laughs> I was, you know what I mean, I'm that kind of guy. And the guy, the guy with a stage on his roof, he yeah. reformed the back of a van. <laughs> so that's how I came up with it. Sure. Well, it, the just looking back on you know comedy and that kind of stuff. It, what yeah. what? Yeah, I, I, um, What's that? Eat ham while we talk. Eat away, yeah. mate. I just crack on. Enjoy it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to interrupt your fun today. Never going to taste the same now. I've read the description. <laughs> How watery is it? I can taste the water they've added. <laughs> yes. If you're having to add stuff to meat, yes. I don't think you should be eating that meat. Yeah. Well, we're we're, we're all we're all here in life, learning lessons, aren't we, mate? Yeah, I've got an avocado holder in the van because there's nothing worse than doing a hard left and your avocado flying off. Did you know avocados are not vegetarian? I didn't know. I didn't know that. But let me just show you, because I know you don't believe I've got an avocado hole. <laughs> okay. Did, did I gloss over that it? too quick? Ah, nice. How are they not vegetarian? Because apparently, and this is what my missus told me, and she's a vegetarian and she stopped eating them because of this, is that there's a, there's a little hole in the side of the, the avocado. Yeah. And a, wasp's go, a wasp goes into it to die as part of the fertilisation of the plant thing. So it's got an animal in it. No way. Telling I you. didn't know that. I'll yeah. tell you what. It, it's I still am- a little hole bit at the side. I think there should be like I- a little circle bit. Really? What that? I don't know where that is. It's- I, I'm getting a bit sick of the toy. Every, every one I've ever had is a wooden ball. And <laughs> I think they need yes. to... Yes. The more imagination. That. Yes, definitely. I'm getting a bit like something else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, they're nice. Um, I only, I won't eat the Mexican ones though, because obviously that's. I watched a Netflix documentary about all the people that get kidnapped and killed in Mexico. Yeah, it's all controlled by the drugs cartels, isn't it? The avocados now. Oh, are they? That's what I was going to ask. I, I, I didn't quite get the connection there of uh, the Mexican yeah. thing with the avocados. Yeah, they're blood avocados. You don't want to touch them because <laughs> right, um, okay. genuinely, genuinely. Wow. They, they realised there was a lot of money in avocados, so they started um, rounding up all the farmers, killing them, taking their land, controlling the avocado market. So wow. I, I avoid um, a Mexican avocado if I yes. can. Right. Okay, well, that's a good tip for me as well. I'll definitely be doing that. Yeah. We, can't, we can't be supporting and, that kind of nonsense, yeah. can we? If you get a little, it's ready to eat. Mm. The bit they missed off is ready to eat in 2016. <laughs> is that what it said? <laughs> 
I'm like, well, I've had that about that oh. ready to eat avocado. I've yes. had it about three weeks. Yeah. Still I not. Mean, you're teeth on that. Still not ripening. Still not ripening. Give me avocado holder. We'll see where we go with that. Well, I'm glad people are learning from this podcast today, Tom. Yeah. That always makes me happy when when we produce things where we're making the world a better place at the end of the day, aren't we? Yeah. I'm learning how sad my life is living in a van <laughs> with an avocado holder. <laughs> it, like, it, it was a no, it was normal until you made me explain it. Oh, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Now I'm thinking maybe. Maybe it's not normal to drive around in a van with a stage <laughs> on the road. <laughs> Maybe it's not. Right, well, the, the challenge for me now is to um, make this interview more positive for you, mate, a more positive experience. I'm, I'm very conscious yeah. of that now. Yeah. I mean, we can go on the stage, if you like. We can do. What's the quickest way up? One Let's minute. All right, mate. Let's have a look. Yeah, I'll set you up there. Okay. It's a so, top. um... Tom's uh, he's just in his van now. You can you can check all this on the YouTube version of the, the podcast. He's yeah. is out of his van. Right. Oh, is the, we can see the stage. I don't have the railings on it at the minute. So yeah, this okay. Is be a bit... uh, let me just... We're actually up on the van now, where he does these gigs. So now we're on top of the stage. Um, ah. You can see, you can see it's good non-slip slip surface. It's proper yeah. like it's proper stage stuff, isn't it? It's proper like. Heavy duty. Yeah, not, not messing about. So that's where um, the so that's where the cage is around you to stop the, that's the people attacking you. Rig, yeah. Lighting rig here, and then these are yeah. where the railings. And uh, I got it done in uh, company in Sheffield made it. Oh, okay. And I said, Can you, like, strap some planks to um, a roof rack, and he went, "No, because if you fall off, he'll come and sue us." So he's <laughs> right. like over over engineered like a proper stage. Yeah. Uh, bus stop VW VW bus stop in. Uh, Sheffield. Yeah. I can't say exactly where, but you know the cinema where I saw um, uh, a double bill of Pink Panther uh, for my... Uh, Which one? O- Odeon? Well, it was for Paul Rainstraw's 10th birthday party. It's right. the one on the left heading towards halfway from Manitop. It's not there anymore. Oh, right. Anyway, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. You know the one? If you do a left just before that... Is it a bowling alley uh, now? It might well be. Yeah. If you do a left just before that, and then some lefts and some rights, you find yes. um, you find bus it. stop. Yeah, they're uh, they're really good. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. Really they can so, <laughs> remember the proper name of the company and exactly yes. where they were to give them a decent plug. But yeah, it's me. near enough, that's mate. Over. It's near enough. Yeah. So, so shall we carry on on the interview while you're on your on the sta- oh, on stage? Oh, this was the interview. Yeah, I don't even know where. I- <laughs> yeah, where are you? I think, I think I'm near Cambridge. Right. Okay. It looks yeah. a lovely day down there. Well, you, yeah, it is nice here. Jump yeah. to get back in the van. No, you can. You, I'm happy wherever you are, mate. If you're happy, I'm happy. I just, I'm just worried I might forget and start walking around and fall off. Oh, okay. Fair. Yeah, be safe. Make sure you're safe. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, otherwise, um, they'll be upset at VW bus stop. Yes. Bus sure. Stop. Sure. They don't. Uh, we called it bus stop arena. <laughs> I can't really get down and hold the phone. Let's just finish okay, the up here. We- okay. Well, yeah. Have a, have a sit down. Make sure you're safe. I mean, let me. I'm going to flip that round. Is that all right? There we go. Perfect. Arsy shots me, you know, in the tree. <laughs> nice. On safari. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, do you, how do you feel about it in, in the comedy world at the minute? How do you feel about the. Um, the the cancel culture that seems to be hanging around comedy at the minute, you know, a, a comedian just after the the England football final recently put out some very unsavoury tweets to some of the players that missed penalties, and the whole comedy um, community, you know, absolutely highlighted this and made sure that they were all cancelled, and um, this guy just dropped a eight bollock basically, uh, and I was speaking to. Joe Zalias from um, the new comedy club in Sheffield. Um, um, rolling, uh, roll on the floor comedy. I keep getting the initials mixed up. And he he, he doesn't mind the culture because he's confident in his own self that whatever he's saying, the the, the if, if people can always take people out of context with comedy, you know, if, they, if it's just a snapshot of stuff. Uh, he do, he's yeah. not too worried about it. So I just wanted to ask another comedian what your thoughts on it were, really, in a bad way. Oh, do it. There's a lot to it. Yeah. You, you, on the one hand, 
you can take comments out of context. Mm. On the other hand, there are certain people uh, on the on the on the right that mm. are saying genuinely racist things, yeah. wrapped up as comedy, mm. and claiming joke. And it's all about intention, um, and you've got to put those those um, jokes into the context of who that person is and what their beliefs are. So yeah. it's really difficult and nuanced in terms of mm. everyone. You can't say what you want anymore. And I think Ricky Gervais has a really good quote, which you might have seen as a meme popping up every now and again. You can say exactly what you want. And you always have been able to say exactly what you want. People might not like it, and they then can tell you whether you like it or not, or whether they like it or not. Mm. And then you decide whether to give a shit about what they think. Yeah. Uh, um, so there's that, which is a separate argument for what I'm just saying. So there's that, there's that other comedian, alleged comedian anyway. I'm not talking yeah. about Andrew Lawrence. Somebody else who was yeah. saying racist things and then sort of pretending they were jokes. Mm. I mean, here's, let me just talk about it from my own personal perspective. Sure. There's certain things, certain jokes that I will do at the Edinburgh Fringe, especially when I'm a comedian that's ignorant, you know, I'm playing a character rather that's ignorant, yeah. and ignorant things. Mm. When I say them to a fringe audience who knows who I am and what I stand for, mm. And that I'm playing a character that's ignorant, and I think what I'm and I and the joke is what I'm saying is ignorant. Mm. Um, I get the right kind of laugh for that material, mm. and then I saw with the same joke, and I did it in I won't say exactly where, but somewhere in the northwest, and there was a different quality to the laughter. They were still laughing, but I felt they believed. In what I was saying, do you see what I mean? Mm. They didn't. They were how stupid the thing was I was saying, or how ignorant yeah. it was. They were laughing for the wrong reasons. They were laughing at the fact that it was. Um, yeah, um, they kind of believed it themselves. And from that moment on, I, I stopped doing that joke because mm. it taken the wrong way. Yeah. So that's I think how context is important. Yeah. But there's two. That I think. I think there are disingenuous people that are using context to smuggle in or do dog whistle races. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a complicated situation. Uh, I'll give you a good example. I've got a good example of what I'm just talking about, but it involves, uh, Scottish people. So I'm not going to get into hot water okay. into, um, of, of coming across as a racist. <laughs> okay. So when I'm in Brackenbury, in yeah. Edinburgh, in the yes. Edinburgh bubble, I used to do a joke about David Tennant, which would work perfectly well for the guy who's uh, in um, Line of Duty now. But it's like, um, I, think, I think Ivan said, it's weird, isn't it? Because when he's Doctor Who, he uh, has an English accent. Uh, but when he's uh, being interviewed, he's got a Scottish accent. <laughs> and that's because if you can talk nicely, you would all the time. <laughs> now, now, the joke. <laughs> Ivan's an idiot, and that's <laughs> expensive and wrong. <laughs> and an Edinburgh Fringe audience, a festival audience, yeah. made up of predominantly Scots, because I was on, uh, at the time of day I was on and everything. Yeah. They enjoyed it, and they really liked it. And they understood me and right. who I was, yeah. and that I was playing a character, and the joke was, what I'm saying is wrong. Yeah. But every Edinburgh, the stand comedy club, do a thing where you... They, they zoom you over to Glasgow for one night and you do that comedy club over there. Yeah. Like an, an idiot. I still thought I was in the fringe bubble and did the same joke in Glasgow <laughs> in front of people that hadn't paid specifically to see me, right. didn't know who I didn't know what I stood for. <laughs> now, I knew I, I knew I was in trouble when they didn't even work out it was a joke. Right. So I, thank God I've got away with it. And I just kind of powered on yeah. before they had taken a joke that was inappropriate. And then three English guys at the bar <laughs> who, who heard and understood the joke just went, Woo! <laughs> they then signaled to the whole room that there was a joke there they'd missed. And then they had to think about it. And then they realized what the joke was. And then I got booed by the whole room. Right. And, when I, and my, 
I was in a van at the time because you know I, I love vans, <laughs> and it had the a show all over it. And when I went back to that van, it also was covered in pizza and kebabs. Oh, oh no! Good example, isn't it, of how context is so important yeah, and how sure. understanding your audience. So there's jokes that yeah. I didn't do it. In a small little industrial town that's got a reputation for not being exactly yeah. uh, politically that I would happily do in Edinburgh. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for that insight. I, I found that really interesting. And you know, you mentioned the characters that you that <laughs> you mentioned the characters that you do. Ivan Brackenborough, uh, the radio DJ, Ian D. Mumford, your psychic reading, and when I was watching quite a lot of it on YouTube over the last few days. Uh, you mentioned it at the beginning of the interview that you you, you you do get a lot of things right, don't you? When you when you're playing this character as a, as a as a as like a really you know as a, you do you, you you get a lot of things right as this psychic. Uh, do you feel like you are a bit psychic? I did I did study cold reading and and how it all works. And actually, right. coming back after eighteen months, I really panicked. It's the first few gigs, I wasn't getting anything right anymore. Right. The last couple, it's kind of whatever it is, clicks back in. Uh, so last night was great. I got tons right, and the night before was good. But I don't, I don't think I'm psychic. No, the, the script, the comedy script is designed yeah. to, to, right? Uh, uh, there's a little bit of intuition going on. Yeah. But I don't think it's psychic. No, so I'll, you know, like, I've got, there's no structures to the show. So I've got like a hundred jokes I could throw at you, and I'd throw, mm-hmm. I'd throw certain jokes at you, hoping that some of them would. Because the setup is always like I'm getting the impression you got a black car, mm. or you're adopted, or, and then there's always a joke if I get it wrong. Yeah. So the way sets up is um, people don't notice when I get things wrong because I'm it's a joke, and when I get things right, they're impressed. Mm. And I have a little bit of like. I have a little bit of um, control over what jokes I deliver to what people in the room. Mm. And that improves the odds of getting some stuff right. But I thought I had lost my magical powers um, coming back after COVID. But luckily, it's kicked back in. Whatever it is, it's kicked back in. Every time I saw you do the dice thing and the cup over the top, you got it right every time. I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah, and I do do that now. (laughs) At the dice. (laughs) <laughs> I'll do it now because I can't hand out dice and take oh you sure yeah okay I get them to um, use three imaginary dice and just tell <laughs> me three numbers and right. I get I normally get that right as well so I'll write down <laughs> and then say <laughs> it's a really cheap joke but they start shaking the dice yes. and I say blowing it for luck so they're like <laughs> yes I, it's such a cheap joke that I pretend it's not intentional and when people laugh, I actually chastise the audience yeah. for inappropriate. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> but clearly, um, and uh, and I'm getting those writing variable as well, just yeah. like I did with real dice. Well, funny, you, you, you've you've got these characters. You're out there. You're established, and the and the the these uh, these uh, characters really feel established and another really established um character that's out there in the world is alan partridge and i, I, I noticed that you you were you were actually in the knowing me knowing you all episode yeah i did all the warm-ups as well for i'm alan partridge as oh well. wow okay yeah How, what was I'm it not... like just being around you know that right yeah, sorry mate yeah. yeah it looks all right it doesn't look homoerotic in any way are you laid on the roof now yeah is that, yeah yeah it's fine Happy I'm perfectly happy with that, mate. Yeah, I'm happy if you are always. Well, it's just it's more comfortable. Yeah, I feel less exposed in the car parks. Looking at me, going, he's full of himself, isn't he? <laughs> <clears throat> they don't know that you're, asking, you're asking me questions. You see, it just looks like a man. On the roof <laughs> just filming yourself. Right, he thinks he is. You look like one of them Instagram beauties. You know, like one of them. You, you, you could be. Yeah. You could be like one of them. I know. Do you know what? No filter. <laughs> Hashtag. Yeah, <laughs> I was in that. Yeah, I was in Alan Partridge, and I did all the warm ups. So, was it part of it, like warming up the crowd? Did, did is that how you got your part as Glenn Ponder's boyfriend, or no, did I was, you? Know, I, was, uh, I was in that first actually. In that oh, part first. right, okay. The warm ups I did was were the one that you probably don't even know there was a live studio audience for because it had sets on all four sides. It was the one where that set in the um, hotel. 
Oh, right. Okay. Well, I've watched them many times. Uh, Lent and Travel Tavern. Yeah. Well, they were close sets. So, in other words, the audience mm. came in and they were presented with four boxes. Mm. And they couldn't see any of the action. They could watch it all on TV. But um, Steve wanted to um, play off a real audience. Mm. Reacting in real time to the comedy. Uh, so he'd say hello at the start of the night and then get in the box. And that would be the end of it. And I'd mm. have to sort of, part of my job, um, my brief was not only to entertain them in between the takes, which is what you normally do as a woman, man, yeah. but also a man said, You've got to keep reminding them that it's genuinely happening in these boxes, otherwise they'll think they're just watching it on Sally. Yeah. Which they were, but it was also happening just the other side of that wood. Sure. That they So it's so, just to picture it, so there's four different boxes before different scenes. Like yeah, all, yeah. all in a long row. So some of the crowd some of the audience could see some of it, some couldn't see any of it, depending on what scene they were filming at the time. Is that how it is? All the audience could see nothing. At all times. Right. Very unusual for a sitcom because normally most of the audience can see most of the sets at most of the time. Okay. So different about it. They wanted to film it like it was a film. In other words, with a set on every, you know, like closed sets, I mm. think it's called. Maybe that's when you're in the nudie rudies and you don't want everyone to come <laughs> and have a look. Um, but anyway, the, the sets were, you know, had four walls and a ceiling. Yeah. So as far as the audience were concerned there was just four giant packing crates in front of them that they oh, couldn't yeah. have a look inside ever is that unique well, is that unique to steve coogan and amandu inuchi then is that is that something that they do only do as far as i'm aware it was unique to that series mm. or that, that i don't think I've not, I've not i've not done a show like that before or since yeah you're either on location or you're in a studio yeah. what, what was it like being around Steve, while well, is was he always in Alan Partridge mode, or was it was he was he not? Here's the thing, right? He is always in character. Yeah, <laughs> means that. And Alan Partridge liked me as a warm-up man, and liked warm-up men in general. Right. And so, and that was useful because when you're the warm-up man and no one really knows who you are, and they've come to see someone else, yeah. any like any win like that's really really useful. However, Tony Farino. And I did the warm up for that mm. as well. Couldn't stand me. Okay. And or, or, or really understand warm up men or what the warm up men were. And yeah. So he was really shitty to me <laughs> in the audience. And there's just, even though the audience know, they don't know. And on some level, mm. they just got the message that I was to be hated. So that was a really tough night. Wow. Okay. So that, so where was the Tony Farino part then? Was that a different. Uh, filming he or did, something. You remember, he did. I, I think well, it was Mick Hopkins was in it. I remember. It was a. It was a. Was it a Christmas special or a one-off? I can't remember. But it was. Oh right, was uh, going back to knowing me, knowing you. So yeah, yeah, Mick Hopkins at the end, and would uh, was, um, Bond supposed to turn uh, up and he was late. Oh no, no, me. No, it was another series or the beginning right. of a pilot series that never happened or right. oh, or okay. did happen. It's a long time ago, and I was <laughs> yes, like, fair enough. Well, it must have been a great, you know, you mentioned uh, Stuart Lee earlier. Uh, you've worked on Lee and Herring, IT Crowd, The Big Breakfast, 8 Out of 10 Cats, Do Countdown, all, all these big sh- standout shows. What what memories have you got from, from those days that you could share with us today? Any interesting things that might have gone on? Just not being able to hold down a single job. No, <laughs> like to, circling back. Uh, no, no, I can't remember any. A lot of them were just, you know, acting gigs. Mm. Uh, and you turn up and you get some nice food and then um, yeah. remember your life the right way and then go home. Yeah. I can't, I can't really interesting. Well, the, the eight out of ten, ten cat things, I, I can remember hearing... Um, what's he called now? I listen to his podcast. Um, it's, got, it's gone out of my head, but it, he did the, the, the spot within eight out of ten cats and he felt really intimidated by by it um how did you find the experience on the show just being around all those other comedians and things three for the van because I'm, I'm getting low battery yeah sure uh, really lovely just really nice and also mm. filmed almost in real time uh which is unusual for a show like that yeah. i don't know what it's like now but i went to see an episode of um have i got news for you and they pretty much started at 
7.30 and finished about 10 o'clock to mm. do 30 minutes. Whereas eight out of 10 cats just rattled through to almost as if yeah. it's really down. It's almost, um, almost as if it was live. Uh, uh, almost. Yeah. But yeah, time on it. And um, I, got, I got really lucky with that first episode I did. Uh, so Ivan and Catherine Ryan had some really lovely comic, um, yeah. good comic, uh, chemistry. Uh, which was really great. And then, um, yeah, I've done another one that's not surface, which is a bit weird. Um, okay. So um, a lost episode. <laughs> yeah. The fear in me is going, yeah, it'll be my bit. That they, as if they're going to ditch <laughs> up. The dictionary corner didn't work quite well. But I was like, why has that never ended up on telly? Maybe it has. Maybe they did edit my bit out. I don't know. Oh, okay. It was Adam Buxton. It's come to me. Adam Buxton was the one that he was telling a story about it, and he found it quite difficult to to get in the in the zone for it. Well, no, I didn't have a I didn't have a problem with it. I'm just going to jump off the roof. Cool, mate. I mean, you know, I did it safely. I didn't, safe. I didn't have a problem with. It. Nice. A, a funny story on um, <laughs> funny story on Fist of Fun. It's the only one I can remember. Yeah. Uh, well, the. Uh, the costume lady, there's a couple of like extras, all the extras are hanging around. Yeah. <laughs> costume lady went up to a couple of um, extras, a couple of coppers stood there and she said, come here. And she got the tie, and went, the tie's not up properly. And, you, and she got a lint brush out. And, and then really, the real policeman. Not my to watch. It's been a sketch, but um, yeah. There yeah. we go. Back in the full circle, back in the van. So you're on tour at the minute, then, mate? Am I? I don't know. I was going to. I presume so. You're in a van. You're off to. An, you've had a gig last night, last two nights, and so I'm in somewhere near Cambridge. Yeah. Uh, um, right now, and um, I'm, I'm back up to Sheffield now. Right. Um, and then uh, yeah, I'll go somewhere else after that and do some more comedy. I, I never know. I never know where I am until I look at my diary. Yeah. Okay, so how are you, how are you finding gigs today compared to uh, when you first started? Is it is, is the crowd more? Um, I don't know. I'd like to think the crowd are more intelligent, but I, you you tell me. Well, the one first started. Yeah, I can't judge because I'm just like significantly better than when I first started, and not because I'm particularly good now, just because I was terrible when I first started. Yeah. I mean, I was doing that comedy burst, bait, 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 <laughs> comedy bait, entertainers routine. Yeah consistently died on its arsehole. Um, so, uh, I don't know. It's hard to tell. I think, I think <clears throat> there's been a fusion, isn't there, of mainstream and alternative now. So, um, because of that, um, there's a lot more, I mean, the, the kind of people that come to comedy now and see me are not the kind of people that used to come to comedy like in 92, 93, or mm. like, you know, when it was like the alternative comedians with Alexis Sale and yeah. and uh, French and Saunders at the comedy store and that kind of thing. It's 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 pretty much everybody now comes to comedy, isn't it? Mm. Whereas back then it was it would have been hardcore comedy fans or students or that kind of that kind of audience. So it's becomes kind of mainstream like that. So it, a wider well, range of people turning up. Does that make it easier or harder to 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 guess the room? No, it's fine. Well, it's, it's again, it's hard to say because my skill set has improved dramatically. <clears throat> yeah. If talking to Tom Bins in, in 1993, it would have made it utterly impossible for me to entertain them. Mm. I wouldn't have been able to do it because I was like all about irony and being being clever, clever and doing jokes about jokes. And yeah. it, it just wouldn't have worked. Mm. But I'm a different act now. I'm like, I'm, I, I can actually entertain an audience sure. without tricks. Um, are, you, are you still there? That was I'm here, mate. Where I am. <laughs> okay. Well, it, I, I really appreciate your time, Tom. Um, I'm going to put the link to your website on this podcast. So if you've oh, enjoyed okay. the interview today, you know, have a look at what Tom's up to. Catch him on tour. <laughs> I don't know. Is, is that it? Is that is that going to run it as a full? I'm not mine. Just curious. Yeah. What? What's what? Sorry. Are you, are you going to put it out as is, or do you, do you edit it down? To... I'll, I'll edit the video uh, with the podcast, but the audio will all be. This will all be the the audio. Oh right, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll add an introduction and an end right, to it and things. Down the van. <laughs> no, it's fine, mate. Yeah, it's all good. You're the, you're the only person to have got on top of a van. 
yeah, all these yeah. years I've been doing these interviews. Yeah, and there'll be a good reason for that. <laughs> sure, so I'll put the website on the link. So, you know, if you've enjoyed this interview today, I've really enjoyed it, Tom. Thanks for your time. Uh, jump, oh, yeah. on his, jump on his website, enjoy Tom's work, catch him on tour, uh, and good luck with everything. And I hope to put a pint in front of you one day, mate, and in real life. Well, that that would be lovely. Thanks for having me. I always find these things very awkward, especially coming from Sheffield. Because, uh, you know, having to talk about yourself, yeah, I don't want people to think I'm it. He thinks he's it, him. I'm I'm from Sheffield and I I've never had that problem. <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah, do yeah, do yeah, yeah, do. He thinks he's it. <laughs> I've got I've got better at being humble these days because there's no point shouting about yourself because nobody gives a shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my. Cheers, Tom. Mate. Really appreciate your time, mate. All the best. Yep, ladies and gentlemen, that was our interview with Tom Bins. Just check him out online and, you know, find him on tour. You can see by his van, he lives in his van and tours. He'll be on tour. He'll be near you at some point. Thank you, Tom, for spending your time with us. We really appreciate it. And again, I think it was my favourite interview, I think. Just really enjoyed it. So, yeah, we're back next week, next Monday. Thanks for tuning in again, guys. The next episode is with the Lathams. Um, keep up to date on uh, on Twitter at RGM Pod. Share the podcast. Tell everybody about it. It's the best way of spreading the word. Follow us on the YouTube channel. You can watch the video version there. Treat yourself to some that's from uh, Scott's Menswear on the website. Yeah? Just have a look. Uh, We will see you next week, guys. Hope you have a lovely week. Thanks for spending your time with us today. My name's Carl Maloney from the RGM Experience podcast. Love doing these things, and I'll see you next week. Toodaloo. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scotsmenswear.com. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe, tell a friend about our show, and thank you for your support, and we'll see you next week.